warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalatu wassalam ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Alhamdulillah, let me first apologize for the delay. Um, got off to a late start this morning. And so, um, you know, as of getting off to a late start, everybody gets off to a late start. Um, so we're starting, you know, basically an hour later. So my apologies for that. And hopefully, inshallah, that, that won't happen again. But um, alhamdulillah, we uh, finished the Man Logic series. And as I promised, uh, we would start on dealing with the issues related to women. I got a lot of emails, a lot of text messages from men who felt like I was, you know, completely picking on the men and that it wasn't fair, that I was, you know, kind of throwing men under the bus and, you know, not dealing with issues related to women because, I mean, the fact of the matter is that a lot of the problems that we're having in our communities related to marriage and divorce, we, we all take, we all share in that, all right? It's not one person's fault. Women, you cannot turn to the men and say, you know, it is the men, it's the men's fault that, you know, that our, you know, our current condition related to marriage and divorce and raising children and things like that. We can't say that it is all the man's fault. And men cannot say that it's all the women's fault. We like to point the finger. We all share in this. And me bringing these things up to, um, me bringing these things to the table, me bringing these things up, is not me pointing the finger at any one particular gender, right, excluding the other. This is me holding a mirror up to our communities and letting us see ourselves and our dilemmas for what they are and who we are so that we can start now fixing it. We can start fixing it. I've gotten many emails, many text messages. Brothers have stopped me and like, yo, your man logic, yo, Yo, you on point with that. Like, the men are listening, sisters. Men are listening. Trust me, th this is not like, you know, I didn't go on like this, um, I didn't go on like this rampage, you know, just totally bashing the men and, you know, whatever. The, and nor am I going to do that to the women either, although I'm going to show you yourselves. A lot of the sisters, you're not going to like me after this. You're probably going to, you know, unlike the Shadi Muhammad page, and you're going to probably, you know, jump on somebody else's bandwagon, and that's all good, because I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I don't live in your praises, so I'm definitely not going to die in your criticism. You know what I mean? I don't live in anybody's praise. Your praises mean absolutely nothing to me. Let, me. let me share that with you. I don't live in your praises, and I damn sure am not going to die in your criticism. Trust me. But the men are listening. They are listening. Right? And they are paying attention. I had a brother stop me the other day. You know what I mean? Right as I'm, I'm in the school teaching, you know, we bring the kids down for salat. And the brother stopped me and was like, yo, you know, when I get a moment, you know what I mean? I need to talk to you. You know what I mean? About the man logic thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm listening. And, I, and it felt good. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, not a problem, man. Not a problem. I'm here. You want to discuss whatever. You know what I mean? But it shows that the men are listening. That whole 10, you know, man logic 10 series that, you know, men were listening. Men were listening. They were not turning a blind eye. They're not going to jump on, you know, on the Periscope or jump on the Facebook Live and, you know, shout from the rooftops. Yeah, brother, amen. Men don't function like that. 
men don't function like that. But they're like, yo, you know, when they run into you, they're like, yo, I heard you, man. I heard you. You know, good stuff. You know what I mean? We was at we was at a masjid in Cherry Hill. Brother came up to me. I don't know this brother. He came up to me. He was like, yo, your man Logic Series, yo, you on to something, man. You on to something. And I'm listening. I look forward to hearing it. And that joint felt good. It felt good to know that, mashallah, the brothers are listening. They are listening. You know what I mean? And, you know, hopefully, hopefully in the future, inshallah, we can, you know, put some services in place in some of the masajid, you know what I mean? And some of the, you know, imams and, you know, students and knowledge who are skilled in these areas, you know, can go around to the different masajid and offer their services, you know, to help brothers and sisters, you know, not take the band-aids off, man. We keep putting band-aids on our wounds. Take the band-aid off and, you know, spray some, you know, peroxide on it, whatever, and let it heal properly. We haven't healed properly. We keep putting band-aids over these wounds. And as a result of that, we're not healing. We're not healing. So we need to rip the band-aid off, let it bleed out, spray some peroxide on it, you know, put some alcohol on it. It's going to burn a little bit. But at the end of the day, when it heals, it's going to heal properly. And we never have to revisit that again. You never have to look at that scar again. You never have to look at that wound again. It's, it's healed properly. Alright? We're not going to keep dancing around issues, putting, you know, band-aids on it, and just kind of, you know, acting like, you know, it's over. It's not over. We need to heal properly. And the only way we're going to do that is when we bring our diseases to the table, we bring our issues to the table, and we address them like men and women. Like men and women. Um... So, so let's let's start with um, season uh, or session number one. What is called women's intuition. So men have logic, and women use intuition. Women don't necessarily use logic, and I'm going to explain all of this. All right, I don't need sisters on here saying, "Well, he's not a man; he don't know what he's talking about." Blah blah blah. But yeah, there's research. There's research. Women, you're you're not a secret. <laughs> Yes, and the scar will serve as a reminder of the pain that it took to heal. You are absolutely right. You are so right. SubhanAllah. Shanice, Michelle, you are so right. That the scar that is left will be a reminder, will be a reminder of the process that we went through to heal. Absolutely. So profound. MashaAllah. Alright? So... Men have logic, men use logic, and women use what is called intuition. And I'm going to explain that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alludes to the two different types of genders and how we function differently in the Qur'an. I'm always going to give you a basis from the Qur'an. What I give you, although it's, you know, wrought with psychology, wrought with research, wrought with, you know... Other studies that I kind of pull from everywhere, but the basis of it will always be Quran and Sunnah. Understand that. The basis of every conversation that we have will always be rooted in our religion, the Quran and the Sunnah. And for those of you who are not Muslim that are listening, welcome, you know, and we, you know, we welcome you to our discussions. You are free to share these discussions. You are free to chime in on these discussions. And you are free to, you know, contribute to the discussion. I have no problem with that. Ahlan wa sahlan, you're more than welcome, right? Because some of this stuff, although rooted, although the premise of the talk is, 
you know, rooted in our religion, but it is also um, something that people who are not Muslim can benefit from as well. But when I speak, I speak in general. I, I don't use, I don't separate the exception to the rule. The exception to the rule is neither here nor there. The scholars say, that the Islamic rulings are based upon the majority. You understand? So I don't need people saying, well, not all people do this. Well, not all people do that. That's already understood. We're, we're educated people. I don't need to speak to you guys like I'm speaking to fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders. That's for another community. Other communities, you got to break everything down to the smallest molecule because they don't understand basic English. I shouldn't have to do that with you guys. And I'm not going to do that with you guys. If you need every sentence broken down to the smallest, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, the smallest molecule so that you can understand what your elementary understanding, then you might want to go to somebody else's page and pick up. I'm not going to do that here. You guys are highly intelligent. Some of you guys on here right now are more intelligent than I am. Some of you listening right now have master's degrees, you know, PhDs. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to do that. We already understand that the Islamic rulings, according to the scholars of fiqh, the Islamic rulings, according to Sharia, Islamic law, are based upon the majority, not the exception to the rule. The exception to the rule, there's not even a ruling that applies to the exception to the rule because they are an exception to the rule. The ruling is applicable to the majority. So when I speak generally, leave it general because I'm speaking generally purposely. You understand? I'm speaking generally, purposely. I don't need people to say, well, not all women do this, not all men do that. We already understand that. We already understand. That's already understood. Everybody on here has at least a high school diploma. <laughs> at very least, you have a high school diploma. All right? And at very least, if you have an undergraduate degree or a graduate degree and above, then you most certainly understand that the except there's always an exception to the rule. And the exception to the rule is never the, 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 what our rulings are based upon. Okay? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, And the male is not like the female. That's a verse in our book. That's a verse in the Quran. And the male is not like the female. And there's, there's so many implications with that ayah, you know, on so many different layers, so many different levels of understanding to that ayah. On so many, in so many layers to the male and female gender that makes us different. All right? So let's lead with that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And the male is not like the female. Alright, so let me lead with uh, an article that was published in the Huffington Post. I always try to give you research-based information so that nobody say I'm just coming off the top of my head or like the Arabs say, Minjabik, this ain't coming from me. This is research that was published in academic journals articles. So the Huffington Post, they posted an article called Different Brains, Different Behaviors. Why women lead differently than men. Why women lead differently than men. So look at the ayat that I gave you first and then follow me along. That it's already in the Quran, subhanAllah. It's already in our book. Allah says, And the male is not like the female. Meaning, we're different. 
We're different in the way that we approach life, the way we approach decisions, the way we make decisions. Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and the male is not like the female. Huffington Post, they posted an article titled, Different Brains, Different Behaviors, Why Women Lead Differently Than Men. Um, follow me here. They said, prior to the 1990s, all brains were presumed to be the same. However, using MRI technology that was introduced in the late 1980s, neurobiologists were able to demonstrate and track more than 100 biological differences between the male and female brain. Over 100 biological differences between the male and female brain. Our brains are different. What did Allah say? And the male is not like the female. What is this research telling us? That based upon MRI technology, they're telling us that they scanned, attract, or moved uh, 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 some brains, male and female brains, and they found a hundred, more than a hundred different biological differences between the male and female brain. The brain is divided into the right and left hemispheres. The brain is divided into the right, left hemispheres. Okay. Most of us, most of us are dominant on one side than the other. Most of us are dominant on one side more than the other. Some of us are primarily left brain thinkers, which makes us as men, we're talking about men here. Most men are left brain thinkers, which makes us more analytical, more sequential, more logical, and more detailed. You follow me? This is men. This is why, sisters, when you send a man a text, he's dissecting, you know, the entire text unnecessarily. As a woman, you're saying, well, I'm just telling you how I feel. The man is like, yeah, but you said this, you said this. He's dissecting because that's how we function. All right? Um, and that, you know, most of us are left brain thinkers, which makes us more analytical, more sequential, logical, and detailed. When men talk, we got to give you like a lecture, like we, we're just admonishing our wives, but it comes off as a lecture because we got to give you so much detail, right, in, in such a small, you know, simple situation, right? That's the way that we function as men. That's the way that we function. All right. Others show dominance of their right brain, which is described as more creative, um, more intuitive, more holistic, right? Nonlinear. Right? This is women. This is women here. More creative, more holistic, more intuitive. Right? These are right brain thinkers, right brain users. All right? So researchers at Yale University determined back in the 1990s that men's tendency is to primarily use the left side of their brain. While women shift back and forth drawing from both the left and right sides. Women tend to draw from both sides, the right and left sides of the brain, while men concentrate more so on the left side of the brain. We're more logical, we're more sequential, we're more analytical, and we're more detailed. All right? This is why you'll find a lot of men, you go into their closets, their closets are, you know, jeans are folded up, stacked, t-shirts folded up, stacked. It's not necessarily OCD, but we like structure as men. That's how we function. We function with structure, detail, sequence, 
Whereas you look inside the woman's closet, her stuff all over the place, but when it's time to get dressed, she knows exactly which pieces she needs to grab very quickly, and she can probably get dressed quicker than the man can. I know that's my case. <laughs> right? They get dressed quicker, even though it seems like it's unorganized. Even though it seems like they're very unorganized, they get dressed quicker because they're very intuitive. They can feel exactly what I want to wear. I can feel what I want to wear. I already know they're very creative, right? It's important for us as husband and wife to understand these differences, these variables. Right? And that's why your conversations are all over the place. And men, we like, yo, you're a moving target. Stay right here. Stay right here because you're talking here, here, here. I can't keep up. Right? So it's very important for men and women to understand these, you know, these differences, these variables. So researchers at Yale University determined back in the 1990s that men's tendency is to primarily use the left side of their brain. Primarily. So that when, when scholars, when pe researchers, when they talk like this, when they say primarily, they're leaving room for the exception to the rule. You understand? So we don't need to say not all men used only the left side of the brain. They said men, most men primarily, primarily use the left side. All right? So this is, you know, this is scholarly talk. And because we've been dumbed down for so long with a, a you know, language that's not even English. I don't even know what the heck some of these people be speaking. You know, when it comes back to reading material and using all of the rules that we learned in English literature, when we learned in, you know, ELA, you know what I mean, like back in school, it's like all of those rules go out the window. All of those rules go out the window when we start talking. So pay attention, please. So while women generally, women generally, right? Women generally shift back and forth, drawing from both sides, the left and the right sides. So in practice, this means, in practice, this means that men are more likely to have a fact and logic-based leadership style, while women, on the other hand, are more likely to see the big picture and have stronger emotions and rely on their intuition for their decision-making. You follow me? Men, we base our decisions on fact and logic, what makes sense to us at that moment, while women, they lead by looking at the bigger picture, and they have stronger emotions, how they feel, they base their decisions upon their intuition, how they feel about the situation at the moment, uh, when it comes to making decisions. Alright, and so, now that we've laid that kind of foundation down, right, I want to explain to you what intuition is. What is intuition? Intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning, without the need for logic. Women pick up on stuff very quickly. This is why women know the man is cheating. She don't need to see evidence, but her intuition is telling her because she is in tune with that intuition. But that intuition gonna, it can fail you, sisters, and that's where we're going to. That's where we're headed. But I want to lay this down as the foundation. I want to lay this down as your foundation. Intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning and logic. So, men, we look at facts. And we look at what makes sense to us at that moment, 
and then we make a decision. Women, they go on their gut, what I feel at this very moment. This feels right. Their intuition. And, you know, of course, their ability to be creative. All right. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean everybody here again. Some people, some women are, you know, are very heavily on logic and analytical reasoning. Right. And some men rely on their gut feeling as well, on their intuition. So it doesn't mean that everything is written in stone, that only women use intuition and only men use logic. That's not what that means. I'm laying down a foundation so that we understand the basics, the basic mechanics of men and women, male-female behavior. You understand? I'm laying down the foundation for the basic mechanics of male-female behavior. Right? So I wanted to lead with this so that we are clear that what men and women use for the most part to support their decisions are different elements. There are different elements. Men tend to use logic, and we've seen through our Man Logic series how our logic as men sometimes can fail us. Alright? How our logic can fail us. And how we can make decisions and be wrong in those decisions because our logic has failed us. Alright? But just as we discussed on Man Logic, our logic can be misleading at times for men, and so can woman's intuition. Women, your intuition can be misleading sometimes. There's a quote that has been, it, they said that in Albert Einstein's office, he had a quote on his wall. And that quote read, not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. You understand? Not everything that can be counted counts. And not everything that counts can be counted. You guys follow me? What does that mean? What does that mean? Not everything that can be counted counts. And not everything that counts can be counted. They said that when they went into Albert Einstein's office, this was a uh, um, a quote that was on his wall. What does that mean? And what does that have to do with what we're talking about here? Not everything that can be counted counts. Meaning, just because you can pinpoint, you know, these particular things that this is it, this is what you use, this is what you find, doesn't necessarily mean that it counts. You can't weigh intangibles, but they matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sum it up right there. there are no, there's nothing that is absolute. Nothing that is absolute. So just because we have intuition or we have logic doesn't mean that it's always going to work. Understand? Just because we have logic doesn't mean it's always going to work or it's always going to be relevant. It's always going to be a factor. And just because you have intuition as a woman doesn't mean that it's always going to work. It should be something that you rely on all the time. Understand? As another quote, the first principle, you must not fool yourself. You must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool. Don't fool yourself. You are the easiest person to fool. Because we can psych ourselves out. My mother used to say, you're so smart, you're stupid. Right? You're so smart, you're stupid. 
And as a kid, I didn't really understand that. She said, you're so smart, you're going to outsmart yourself. Because you rely heavily on yourself and you fool yourself every single time. Because you rely so heavily on your own logic, your own intuition, and every time you find yourself in the same hole, every time. Not that you overthink, you put too much trust in yourself. You put too much trust in yourself. Not over-analytical, no, it's not that you're over-analytical. Is that you so smart you're going to outsmart yourself, meaning you think you have all of the answers. You don't rely on anything else but yourself. You don't rely on anything or anyone but you. You got all the answers and you are the first one to be deceived by your own self. Right? Don't fool yourself. And you are the easiest person to fool. We psych ourselves out. Alright, so, and perhaps this is why Islam... Right, obligates the involvement of the wali as well as the woman in the marriage process together. Women, you do it to yourselves all the time. I don't need no wali. I'm a grown woman. I can figure this all out. And then when the fit hit the shan, right, then you scrambling trying to figure out how the hell did you get in this situation? How in the world did you get in this situation? And then you're looking for everybody else to help you out of the situation. You victimize, you make the man, he took advantage of me. But you put yourself in that situation. You put yourself in that situation. So this is why Islam obligates the wali to be involved. Because men use logic and women use intuition. And when a man and a woman and a woman and her father are pursuing marriage together, inshallah ta'ala, they'll have a safe outcome. They'll have a good outcome. Because the man is using logic, facts, and the woman is using, you know, her intuition. So when the woman says something about this don't feel right, and her father says, well, you know what? You know, he actually doesn't make enough to take care of you. I'm looking at, you know, his paycheck. He's going to be bringing in this amount of money a month. You know, I raised you like this. I know you're not going to be cool with that. You understand? Then with her intuition and his fact-checking and his logic, they can make a decision. You know what? This is not a good look for you. Sorry, brother. Jazakallah khair. I don't think my daughter's a good match for you. Inshallah, may Allah bless you with somebody else. You know, have a good day. You understand? But when a woman decides, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to go. I'm going to find the brother. We're going to talk. We're going to do whatever we need to do. And then I'll get my Wali involved. Once I've made the decision that I want to go through with this, this is how you jam yourself up every single time. Every single time, this is how you jam yourself up. Every single time. It never fails. Because you go into the situation only using your intuition which is going to fail you, and we'll tell you why. And there's no logic involved. Logic is telling you, this is not going to be a good situation for you. How many imams, how many women have walked into an imam's office? The imam says, sister, I'm looking at, you know, the brother's situation. I don't think this is a good fit for you. I don't think this is... And then the woman starts to say, yeah, but, you know, he's this and he's that. And, and you're speaking purely from a faulty intuition. Faulty intuition. Right. You already emotionally compromised. And that is where your intuition compass goes wrong. When you are emotionally compromised, your intuition is connected to your emotions. 
So when your emotions are compromised, your intuition is compromised as well. It's going to fail you every time. It's going to fail you. What if you don't have a Wali or Wakil? Then you can't get married. Simple as that. Seek and you shall find. If you don't have a Wali, you don't have a Wakil, you cannot get married. Done deal. Islam is very clear about that. And you don't have to leave all of your affairs in the hands of your wali or in the hands of your wakil. If you are not getting proper representation from your local masjid or from your current wali, you don't have to stay with that person, especially if he's not one of your biological relatives. Then you have to educate them. If they don't know what they're doing, you got to educate them. You got to educate them. Any excuse you bring me, I'm going to bring you a rebuttal to it. There is no excuse. We're, we're not accepting any excuses. There, there is a solution. There is a solution. Understand the difference between a dilemma which can't be fixed and a problem that can be fixed. There is a difference between the two. Not every problem is a dilemma, and not a, but every dilemma is a problem. Understand? Dilemma... You can't fix it. You got to learn how to navigate through it and around it and just deal with it. Problems can be solved. Problems can be solved. And the fact of the matter is that some women look at not having a wali or wakil as a problem, uh, or at, look at it as a, a, a dilemma instead of looking at it as a problem. You see it as a dilemma. There's no way around it. As uh, you know, I, I have you know excuse because I didn't have a wakil or wali. You look at it as a, as a dilemma, something that you have to just settle for, and something that you have to just learn how to navigate yourself around instead of looking at it as a problem that can be solved. That's the problem. All right. So all the questions hold it to the end, inshallah ta'ala, and then we'll we'll try to tackle some of those at the end. So. Perhaps this is why Islam obligates the involvement of the wali in the marriage process. The man's logic and the woman's intuition can be two of the most powerful elements when it comes to deciding who to marry. Many instances where women were using their intuition and they went to the Prophet ﷺ and he used his logic and he gave them an alternative. No, that's not a good look for you. Right? We can see that play out in many hadith. When Zainab bin Tujash came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Oh, so many men from Quraysh are asking for my hand in marriage. I don't know which one of them I should marry. The Prophet ﷺ said, Why are you marrying any of them? Instead of marrying somebody who can teach you the book of your Lord and the sunnah of your Prophet ﷺ. Zainab's sister said, Well, who are you referring to? He said, Zayd ibn Hadith. That was logic. It makes more sense. It makes more sense. To marry somebody like Zayd ibn Haditha, who's going to teach you your religion, who's going to educate you to the book of Allah, educate you to the sunnah of the Prophet then your intuition of marrying somebody from Quraysh that's going to, you know, you know, improve your, 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 your quality of life. You understand what I'm saying? Financially and economically and, you know, in terms of your social status. Yeah, you're going to marry one of these men. He's going to marry into a nice family. They're going to raise your social status. They're going to, you know, be financially well-to-do, but you're not going to get any deen. No religion. So the Prophet ﷺ, although she came with her intuition, the Prophet ﷺ, 
the Prophet ﷺ, he directed her based upon logic. What makes more sense? Understand? All right. But women, your intuition sometimes gets you into a mess in your marriages and in your relationships with men, which a hint of logic could have helped you to avoid some of these situations. Yeah, we're going to get to Kevin Hart because it's, it's actually ironic that we're discussing this and his situation just, you know, got, you know, got blowed up, you know. And so, yes, we're going to tie that into this as well. All right. So women, your intuition sometimes gets you into a mess. Some women, wallah, I get an email from you and I'm just looking at the email shaking my head. Because I don't know how to get you out of this situation. I don't. You are in so deep. You are in so deep in this situation. And just a little bit of logic. When I respond on the email and I say something very simple like, well, why didn't you just do X, Y, Z? And then you respond back, dag, I didn't even think about that. Because it's logic that you're missing. You went into the situation totally, totally relying on your intuition. And just a little, just a pinch of logic would have helped you make a, a better decision. And now you need deep in this situation and you don't know how to get out of. Zainab's situation didn't last more than a year, not necessarily because the marriage didn't work. But Zainab obviously, you know, didn't submit to the, the situation that the Prophet ﷺ was trying to set up for her. So it's not that it, the, the Prophet's logic didn't work. It's that, you know, she still felt like she was better than that. Even after the Prophet ﷺ directed her. She felt like she was better than that. Unfortunately. So even the most intelligent people make predictable and costly intuitive errors. Even the most intelligent people. Doesn't matter how much of a degree you got, sister. Your degree does not mean that you are not going to err. You're not going to make mistakes. Stop fooling yourself. Stop telling yourself, I'm smart. Why do I keep ending up in these terrible relationships with men it has nothing to do with your degree hello it has nothing to do with your degree genius it has everything to do with the fact that you are basing a lot of your decisions on a faulty intuition a compromised intuition it has nothing to do with the fact that you're smart you understand a lot of sisters have phds you don't mean professors, you know, even in, in universities and they're making all types of mistakes in their lives with men in relationships and they beating themselves up trying to figure out how in the world do I keep ending up in these situations and I'm smart. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm a brainiac. I'm, I'm, I'm a genius. Your intuition is off. It has nothing to do with your degree and how smart you are. Doesn't have anything to do with how smart you are. You got, mashallah, you got a PhD, but your relationship with, you know, what I mean, your relationship with men is, is, you know, what I mean, is, is a mess. It's a mess. Every single relationship you go into, and you rely heavily on the fact that you're smart and you're, you know, you're a degree holder, you know, to justify the fact that you should be able to hold on to a relationship. Understand, high IQ does not equal high EQ. You understand? High IQ does not equal high EQ. It doesn't matter what your intellectual quotient is. 
It doesn't matter how smart you are. It matters the smartness coupled with, you know, the intuition, your EQ, you're being able to read your emotions. You're being able to read your emotions and act upon them when they're telling you that this is wrong. This is not a good situation. But when your when your intuition has been compromised because your emotions have been attached to something that it shouldn't be, then you know you setting yourself up for failure. All right. So even the most intelligent people, listen to this: for all of you sisters that have degrees, all you sisters that have degrees, listen to this: even the most intelligent people make predictable, predictable. People can see your mistake. A mile away. Can see your mistake. A mile away. Your emotional quotient. How you gauge how emotional you are. That's your EQ. Similar to your IQ. Your IQ is your intellectual prowess. How intelligent, how smart you are. And EQ is how emotionally connected you are to people. Your ability to connect to people emotionally. So just because you're smart doesn't necessarily mean that, as a matter of fact, the smarter you are, the less, in, the less emotionally intelligent you are. To be honest with you, because smart people, intellectuals, they rely on their intellectual prowess, opposed to, you know, the way that you're supposed to connect to people emotionally. And that's their fault. That is their fault. People who think that they're highly intelligent because you're basing all your decisions on your intellect as opposed to your ability to connect with people emotionally. You understand? This is for all you sisters that are degree holders who think that because you have a PhD or because you have a master's degree that you should be able to hold down a relationship. That, that, that doesn't mean anything. Right? Right. Very good, Sister Kim. There's no balance. Like Sheldon, absolutely. The more intelligent you are, the most more emotionally disconnected you are from people. And then you blame in yourself for every single relationship you that fails. And it's, it's not necessarily your fault, but, you know, it's the fault of you psyching yourself out. You fooling your own self into believing that you're smart, so you should be able to hold down a relationship. Alright, so even the most intelligent people make predictable and costly intuitive errors. Coaches, athletes, investors, interviewers, right? Sometimes you're interviewing a person from a job. And a lot of times we're using, when people get hired, are people getting hired based upon uh, intuition or based upon logic? Please tell me. When a woman is hiring a man for a job or vice versa, man hiring a woman for a job, what is mostly being used, intuition or logic? Please tell me. Intuition. Without a doubt. When you hire somebody for a job, the, the thing that we are using the most is intuition. No, we're not using logic. We look at how many people are in place positions right now in jobs that don't deserve those positions. <laughs> right now at your job, your boss, your supervisor, your head manager, whatever the case may be, dumb as a doorknob. 
dumb as a doorknob, and you're trying to figure out how in the hell did he or she get this position. You understand? They were hired based on intuition. How the person who was interviewing them, how they felt when the person was sitting in front of them. This person makes me feel good, so I'm going to hire them, despite their credentials. You understand? Real talk. So, even the most intelligent people make predictable. Some with no education, absolutely. You're sitting here with a degree, all of the qualifications that are necessary, you possess them. And you're trying to figure out how in the world is this person a supervisor? How in the world did this person become the manager? Dumb as a doorknob. Even the most intelligent people make predictable and costly intuitive errors. Coaches, athletes, investors, interviewers, gamblers, and people looking to get married. This is what concerns us. Because people who are looking to get married, they base a lot of their decisions on intuition, sisters. You're basing a lot of your decisions to marry the men that you are marrying based upon intuition. And then you end up in horrible marriages trying to figure out how in the world did you end up here. Absolutely. You're making a lot of your decisions to get married based upon intuition. The brother sits in front of you with a thobe and a beard and a prostration mark and he had you at assalamu alaikum, sister. He had you at assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You don't even know how to say it correctly, but in your mind, oh, mashallah, <laughs> mashallah. In your, your stomach is telling you this is the one. But, but this is the one based upon what? Based upon how he's making you feel. Facts. How he's making you feel. Your intuition, your, your intuition, you know, monitors going off the charts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. He don't even know how to say it correctly. And the moment he says that when he walk in the room, you're like, oh, mashallah. It's assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs> you understand? He ain't even saying it correctly. But all you hear is wedding bells. <laughs> Every time he opened his mouth, all you hear is wedding bells. Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive bias. <laughs> Cognitive bias. You understand me? Cognitive bias is that you, in your mind, you have already made the decision, I'm going to marry this brother. So everything he says is already consistent with what you feel and how you feel. And nobody can tell you any different. Nobody can come to you and tell you any different because your mind is already made up, I want to marry this brother. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what nobody say. I'm marrying him. And everything that comes out of his mouth is consistent with what your gut is already telling you. You understand? Cognitive bias. Stop it. Stop it. You're hurting yourself, man. And you hurt in the community because we're the ones that got to come rescue you from the situation. 
Like subhanAllah al-Azim, man. You don't listen to your intuition, or you listening to your intuition, but your intuition has been compromised. Your intuition has been compromised, man. Studies suggest that people mispredict the durability and intensity of their emotions after, listen to this, because the sisters, this is you all day long, jumping in and out of relationships all day long. Pay attention. Studies suggest, studies suggest that people mispredict the durability and intensity of their emotions after a romantic breakup. Winning a game or being insulted. In these situations, after a breakup, after winning a game, or after being insulted, you mispredict the intensity of your emotions. Think about how sweets look when you are full. Pay attention. When you are full, and then you go to um, you go to a restaurant, or, or you eating at a restaurant, right? And you stuff yourself, right? And then the waiter comes to the table with um, you know a menu with desserts. You take one look at the menu for desserts, and you're just like, mm, nah, I, I don't want nothing to eat right now. Desserts look disgusting to me right now. Desserts look disgusting right now because you're already full, right? But look at those same sweets when you're hungry. Don't go shopping when you're fasting, right? You, I throw everything in the cart when I'm fasting. My wife is looking at me like, dude, you're fasting. Like, you're putting everything in the cart. You understand what I'm saying, right? Don't go grocery shopping while you're fasting, you're going to end up buying all types of stuff because, why? Because you're basing your decision off of a void that is there. You understand? So similarly, when it comes to choosing a spouse, if you are already compromised, you should not be looking for a spouse. Because you're going to, just like when you're hungry and you're going to the grocery store and you put anything and everything in the cart, when you are emotionally compromised, there's a void in your heart. When you're looking for a man, you're just going to pick anybody. You understand? You're going to pick anybody. Follow me. Facts. When you are full, right? When your emotions are relaxed, you're not compromised. When you sit in front of a brother, you're just like, mm, all right, next brother. You're not, you're good on that because you're already full. So you're not going to make decisions on a faulty intuition. You understand? Sister, stop jumping from one marriage to another marriage. You're hungry, you're thirsty, and you're going you're gonna to choose anybody. Real talk, facts. You're going to choose anybody because you're hungry. Stop going to the grocery store searching for men while you're hungry, while you're fasting. Eat first. Eat first. And then go shopping. I guarantee you, you don't put all of that stuff in the cart because you're already full. You understand? You guys following me? Everybody following what I'm saying? Everybody, yes it does give a whole other meaning to thirsty. Absolutely. 
And a lot of sisters out here, Muslim women, you're thirsty. You'll marry anybody. Because there's a void there. There's a void there. There's a hole in your heart. And you want to fill that hole and it doesn't matter with who. It doesn't matter with whom you fill that hole just as long as you fill that hole. I mean, think about, think about the genius that is in this concept. Think about this. When you are hungry and you go to the grocery store shopping, you put everything in the cart because you are basing your choice, you're basing your decision off of the fact that there's a void there, you're hungry, you're thirsty. You're putting stuff in the cart that on a normal basis you wouldn't even get from the grocery store. But when you're full... And somebody bring you a dessert menu. You go to Cheesecake Factory, they bring you a dessert menu, right? You're like, nah, I don't want no dessert right now. I'm good on that, right? No dessert tonight? Nah, no dessert tonight. I'm good. I'm full. You don't want no sweets. Because you're already full. You understand? So when, you're, when you have already done what you need to do in terms of your own emotional stability... And a man comes along, you look at that man, even though he's handsome, even though he's, you know, got a beard and a thobe, and he says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. He looks just as delicious as, you know, those cupcakes on the menu, on the dessert menu. But you know what? You ain't hungry. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need no desserts. I'm good. I ate. I ate. I'm good. How do you get full when you've been hungry for years? The, the fullness is not about having a man, sister. That's not what makes you full. You got to learn how to be comfortable in your own space, man. You got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be comfortable because the fact of the matter is that you might never find a man. So what happens when you don't find a man? Do you just continue the rest of your life thirsty and hungry? Or do you learn how to self-soothe? You learn how to self-soothe. You understand? Standing in your own discomfort, understanding this is my reality, you know, it is what it is. But I learn, I learn how to self-soothe. I don't need somebody outside of me to make me feel valid. So fill up on what or with what? Fill up with your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the hadith al-Qudsi, مَنْ وَجَدْنِي فَقَدْ وَجَدَ كُلَّ خَيْرٍ فَقَدْ وَجَدْتَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ إِنْ وَجَدْتَنِي وَجَدْتَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ وَإِنْ فُتُكَ فَاتِكَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ That when you find me, you found everything. And when you lose me, you've lost everything. When you find God, when you find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you found everything. And when you lose God, even if you got a man, you lost everything. You lost everything. This is a hadith of Qudsi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when you find me, you found everything that you need. And when you lose me, then you've lost everything that you need. I mean, if that's not enough for you, I don't really know what to tell you. I'm speaking from a religious paradigm. If, you know what I'm saying, like, if that's not enough for you, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you're in the wrong place. But 
from a religious paradigm, that's sufficient. And religious people, people who want to be close to God, they understand that language. I need to say no more. And if you're not religious and you don't care about a connection with God, whether you're Muslim or you're not Muslim, then uh, you're probably never satisfied that. You will never satisfy that. You're insatiable. Suffice it to say. You're insatiable. Alright? So, studies suggest that people mispredict the durability of the ins uh, of, or the durability and uh, intensity of the emotions after a romantic breakup. Uh, winning a game or being insulted. Think about how sweets look when you are full versus when you are extremely hungry. Our intuitive theory seems to be we want it, we get it, we're happy, but emotional endurance evaporates more rapidly than we expect. Our intuitive theory is we want it, we get it, and we're happy. But we don't realize that the happiness with the thing that we wanted so bad, that happiness will only last for a certain point. Will only last to a certain point. And it evaporates more rapidly than we expect. And this is how, this leads us to our discussion, how you get him is how you lose him or keep him. And you can tell from the title of that lecture, of the lecture, you can tell. So basically all I just gave you was the foundation. Now we're about to get into the meat and potatoes of this. And when I say you women, I'm not talking about you women that are on here listening now. And I mean, it, it may fit, you know what I mean? Like if the shoe fits my outfit, you know what I mean? Like it, it may fit you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Some of you on here may be guilty of some of the stuff that I'm getting ready to talk about. And if it is what it if it is what it is, then I mean, you know, rectify your situation, man. And if it doesn't apply to you, then don't take it personal. If it doesn't apply to you, don't take it personal. But my discussion today is how you get a man is how you lose him or keep him. You understand what that means? That means that the, the route that you choose in pursuing a man will determine how you keep him, whether you keep him or whether you lose him. You understand? The route that you choose, and there are many routes that a woman can choose how to go after a man. And the route that you choose to get that man will determine how you keep him or how you lose him. Okay. In Islam, in our religion, we have a karma factor. I don't know if there's another word for karma, but when, when I'm using the word karma, I mean what goes around comes around. What you put out into the world will come back to you. That's what I mean when I say karma. Although karma and the legal definition of karma, according to Webster's Dictionary, it has a different definition um, um, based in or rooted in Hinduism beliefs. That's not what I'm talking about. When I use the word karma, I'm talking about in our colloquial understanding that what goes around comes around. What you put out into the world will come back to you. Okay? That's what I mean. So no one said, oh, Shadi Muhammad is talking about karma. This is a Hindu belief. Oh, so now I'm a Hindu. I mean, come on, man. Come on. You can't make this stuff up, man. 
All right. The out of the the in Islam, the scholars have a saying: Al Jazau min Jins al Amal. Al Jazau min Jins al Amal. This this post is for whoever want to listen, but I'm talking to the brothers and the sisters. It's not specifically for one group. Although it would probably, you know, do some good for the brothers to pay attention, right? There is a karma factor, right? If I can use that term in the Quran that suggests that what goes around comes around whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. There's this element of what you put out into the world um, will come back to you, whether good or bad. And we need to understand that so that we are conscious of our actions and what we put out into the world. What you put out there will come back to you sometimes double-fold, sometimes with greater intensity than what you put it out, what you put out there. Okay? The scholars, they say, Al-Jaza'u min jinsil amal. That your reward, your compensation, will be rooted in the action that you did. Whether good or bad. Al-Jaza'u min jinsil amal. That your compensation, you will be compensated based upon the action that you did. Whether good or bad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Tashura, Surah number 42, ayat number 40. Here again, giving you your Quranic reference. I don't give you concepts without giving you a foundation of it in the Quran and the Sunnah. In Surah number 42, Ayat 40, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I love you too, Natasha. I love you too, little sis. All right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And the reward for evil, the reward for evil, is an evil just like it. You do evil, right? I hate to quote DMX, but it is so relevant here. You do dirt, you get dirt. You understand? You do dirt, you get dirt. It comes back to you. A lot of people put negative stuff out into the world and they think that this is not going to come back to them. I knew this even as a non-Muslim. Even before I became Muslim, I already understood this concept. I would do something and I would say, you know what, I know I'm going to hell for this. I knew. I knew. No one had to tell me this. This is rooted in our DNA. We are, we are predisposed. <laughs> predisposed to understanding these life concepts. What you put out into the world, that joint comes back to you, whether good or bad. Right. <laughs> Quote with crackhead rappers, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَزَاءُ سَيِّئَةٍ سَيِّئَةٌ مِثْلُهَا That the reward or the compensation for evil is an evil just like it. It's an evil just like it. وَمَنْ وَأَصْلَحَ فَأَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ And whoever, uh, whoever pardons and rectifies the situation, then his reward is with Allah. Indeed, Allah does not like those who are oppressive. Alright? So that's as it relates to the evil that you push out into the world. If you cannot hear on Facebook Live, go to Periscope. Go to Periscope. The Periscope is running at the same time. 
So if you can't hear on Facebook Live, go to Periscope, inshallah, Shadid, uh, uh, M, uh, Shadid underscore M76. Okay? Right, they're going to Photoshop me next to DMX. Now I'm taking my Dean from uh, DMX, right? You can't make this stuff up, man. These, these people are, they never cease to amaze me. Never. Anyway, um, so that's as it relates to the evil that you put out into the world. Alright? So now let's look at the good that you put out into the world. Allah, and, and look at the wording. Allah says that the reward for an evil is an evil just like it. Just like it. Then in another ayah, the Surah to An'am, Surah number 6, ayah 160. Surah number 6, ayah 160. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجْزَى إِلَّا مِثْلُهَا وَهُمْ لَا يُذْنَمُونَ that whoever comes with an evil, whoever comes with an evil, he will not be compensated except with the like of the evil that he brought. And he will not be oppressed. Meaning, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings that back to you, there's nobody can say you're oppressed. Because that's what you did. You have so many sympathizers with some of these guys. You see what I'm doing and what I'm saying now. And people are like, oh, Shadi, don't become just like the people that are oppressing you. Oh, don't do this to them. Don't do that to them. And you're saying to yourself, well, goddamn, I didn't say anything in 10 years. Nobody said nothing to them. Did you say that to them when they were putting stuff out about me for 10 years straight? Did you say anything to them? And now all of a sudden, you want to sympathize. You, you want to be, oh, don't be like them or whatever the case may be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that whoever comes with an evil, then he will be recompensed with an evil just like it, and you will not be oppressed. Meaning, if an evil comes back to you, the like of what you put out, it is not considered oppression. Nobody is oppressing you, man. Nobody is oppressing you. Nobody is oppressing you, man. What about if a person makes Toba? If you're referring to the post that I put out this morning where the brother made Toba, he didn't make Toba because as the years went by, he was accused of the same thing over and over and over again. What Toba did you make? How many times can you be accused of Zena and every single time you say, I make Toba? When did you make Toba? One of the first conditions for Toba, al-ikna'anidhim, is to stop committing the sin. Understand? Stop saying, oh, well, what if the brother made Toba? Why should we expose it? Because you didn't make Toba. Up until recent, you're still accused of the same damn thing over and over and over again. And I'm amazed at the double standards, man. I am amazed at the double standards. That we will bring every excuse in the world. Every excuse in the world. And the fact of the matter is that even if the person made Toba, you still shouldn't be talking after that. <clears throat> if a person cannot, no, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just using that as a great segue. <laughs> I'm not saying that you were, I'm just using that as a great segue because I know we're going to have, you know, we're going to have some sympathizers. It's crazy. It's sad. This is the story of my life, man. I kid you not. Even before Islam. This is the story of my life. I never get, you know what I mean? I don't get half of the excuses that everybody else get. 
I got the I got one opportunity to do one thing wrong, even right now. Somebody can say, Oh, Shadi Muhammad did this, or he went to the movies again. And everybody's back on the Shadidas off of it. I get one shot <laughs> while everybody else, you get a hundred and one mistakes. A hundred and one mistakes. And people will still sympathize with you and people will still, you know, make excuses for you. But me, I never get that. Some of the same people who are making excuses for these guys now. Oh, why is he exposing them? Why is he mentioning their names? Why? Said absolutely nothing. Crickets. When they were saying my name. Crickets. You had nothing to say when they were talking about Shadid Muhammad. You might have even approved of that message. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But then the moment we say, you know what, enough is enough. Enough is enough. You know what I mean? And now I'm going to take it to you. I'm no longer waiting for you. You put out a list of people who not to take from. Nah, I'm putting out a list of people who not to take from. We don't take from you. Now everybody like, oh, you shouldn't have mentioned people. That. Man, go have several seats, man. Nobody trying to hear that, man. Ten years went by. You let these guys talk for ten years. You said zero. You said nothing. <laughs> Crickets. And now all of a sudden, when we stand up and we say enough is enough, we reclaiming our communities. Now everybody want to get sympathetic. Man, miss me with that, man. Miss me with that, seriously. Because if you do that, you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. Real talk. Abu Shahada, shout out to Abu Shahada, T-Dot in the house, Canada, mashallah, tabarakallah. So, how you lose a man is how you keep them or lose, how you get a man is how you keep him or lose him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that whoever comes with an evil, then he will be recompensed with an evil just like it, and you will not be oppressed. Meaning, if that comes back to you, what you put out into the world negatively, when that comes back to you, you should not be considered oppressed. Nobody oppressed you. Only thing is coming back to you is what you put out into the world. So now let's talk about the good. That you do good, you put good out into the world, then good will come back to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Rahman, Surah number 55 in the, in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hal jaza'ul ihsan illa al-ihsan. Is not the reward for good anything but good? That if you do good, is anything else going to come back to you but good? So, some women allow their intuition to lead them into a situation, the consequences of which can have a lasting effect on their self-worth as a woman, as well as their outlook on marriage. As well as their outlook on marriage. They pursue men, despite the diverse, complex situations that men find themselves in at the time of their meeting. Some sisters, you run into a brother, and he tells you, I'm on my way out of this marriage. I'm on my way out of this particular marriage. So you run into him, you cross paths with this man at a very critical time or a very complex time in his life. And instead of your intuition saying, you know what, let me back out of this situation because, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a stable situation. Your intuition gets compromised and you go head on into this situation only to find yourself in a mess later on. You meet the brother and he tells you, you, you say, oh, well, are you married? Well, I'm going, currently going through a divorce. That should be a cue, red flag on the play for you to say, you know what? You're going through a divorce. I'm good on that. Go ahead, handle your divorce, inshallah. Um, you know, and I'm not going to wait for you. <laughs> I'm not waiting on the other side for you, right? But you tell the brother, you know, I, I know you're going through a divorce. I'll be there for you, inshallah. You know, you come on. Like, why would you put yourself in that situation? 
brother comes to you and said, you know, you, you meet a brother and he tells you, yeah, you know, my first wife, you know, you know, she's not really okay with polygyny, but you know, inshallah, we're going to work it out or I'm going to divorce her. Eventually I'm going to end up divorcing her. And you buy into that. You buy into that. Why would you go into a relationship with a man who's currently married? His wife does not want to be in polygyny. Doesn't want anything to do with polygyny. It's threatened to leave him. And then you still go into the situation. Not just tears up the sisterhood, man, but that has going to come back to you. Because you know that if you were in the same situation, you would not want a woman infringing on that, you know, that delicate situation between you and your husband. You wouldn't want that. But you do it anyway. And then when that joint come back to you, you salty as hell. But you, you put yourself in that situation. You put yourself in that situation. You know, you pursue men. You pursue men despite the diverse and complex situations that men find themselves in at the time that you meet them. You meet them, right? They're emotionally compromised. Their emotionally compromised intuition tells them, right, that they can get past these seemingly simple obstacles. Because we make them, and women, you make these obstacles look like they're very simple. Inshallah, we'll, we'll, I'll be patient. Inshallah, we'll work, at, we'll work all of that out later. But all, inshallah, you know, you understand? You make the obstacles in this man's life that if you were not compromised and you were sitting back looking at this situation, you would say, hell to the no. <laughs> no. No, I'm not going into that situation. But you have already been compromised. So what you do is you make whatever obstacles going on in his life, you simplify those. You oversimplify them. You make it seem like it's not that big of a deal. You, you make it seem like it's not that big of a deal. While other people that's not compromised because they're not connected to the situation, they're looking at you like, you really going to go into that situation? Are you really serious? You really going to marry into that situation? You understand? Why can they say that? Because they haven't been compromised. You, on the other hand, compromise. Compromised. Going full speed ahead. Your foot all the way down on the throttle. Understand? So... You think that, unfortunately, that you're going to ride off into the sunset happily ever after, totally dismissing and overlooking the consequences that are waiting, waiting to destroy the perceived happiness that you think that you're going to get. You understand? You think that you're going to ride off into the sunset with this brother and you're going to be happy? And the way that you entered into that situation was completely wrong. It was wrong. You know it was wrong. And you think that happiness is waiting for you on the other side of that situation. You are sadly mistaken. Sadly mistaken. Don't look at the Yusuf Ali translation, sister. Please, the Dar Salaam translation of the Quran, probably the best in terms of the English language. Not the Yusuf Ali. Please, don't do yourself a favor. Can't even understand the Yusuf Ali. With all due respect to the Yusuf Ali translation, one of the first that we've had in the English language. 
the Dar Salaam uh, translation of the Quran is probably the best in terms of the fluidity of the English. But you are, you know, the consequences of your act is waiting for you. Waiting for you. On the other end of this long journey to happiness, you think that you and this man is now on. I'm sorry. Similar to the brothers of Yusuf, right? Let me give you the comparison to what sisters who do this. You have women who cheat with men. You cheat with a married man, right? Cheat with a married man. And then you tell yourself, you know, he keeps telling you that he's getting ready to divorce his wife. They're not working out or whatever the case may be. And you're buying all of this. And you're sleeping with him. You're giving him wifey privileges. You're giving him husband privileges. And he's not your husband. He's not your husband. And you're giving him husband privileges. He's married to somebody else. And you're infringing on another woman's life. Another woman's marriage. And you think that that's not going to come back to you? Nah, there is no riding off into the sunset happily ever after. There is none of that. Look at what the brothers of Yusuf did. This is what the mentality of these sisters who infringe on somebody's marriage. And they may be sisters in here who have experienced this. Where a sister has infringed on your marriage. Sometimes it might be somebody that you know. Somebody that you know. And that's sad as Muslims that you would infringe on another sister's marriage. Because your intuition has been compromised by your compromised emotions. And he's never going to give you wifey privilege. Now, in this day and time, brothers do. And that's the sad thing about it. Brothers give women who are jump-offs, who are mistresses, give them wifey privileges. They give them wifey privileges. That's why they feel emboldened to do that. No woman would, a woman is only going to go as so far as a man allows her to. If a man puts a woman, even a mistress, puts her in her place, she will stay as a mistress. She's not going to step outside of that lane. But when you're telling your mistress, I love you, you, you know what I mean? You, you breaking down under, because she had sexual relations with you, you're ready to give it, you're ready to risk it all. You don't know how to just, you know, go and commit fornication and then make toba and keep it moving. <laughs> Right? You telling a woman you love her and you get ready to leave your wife for her. It's just like, dude, are you serious? This, I mean, like, mistresses have been around, you know, since the earliest of times. You know, in the Victorian period where, you know, men and women, you know, had to suppress, right? Women, married women in the Victorian period, and, 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 and you know, they didn't have to worry about the men running off and marrying the mistress. They knew the men were sleeping with the mistress because they were living in a suppressed society, a suppressed time where they had to suppress their emotions. Women weren't allowed to express themselves, you know, uh, in terms of their sexuality and things like that. So it was very lame. So men, you know, chose to go after mistresses, but they never feared that the man would run off with the mistress because she would never be anything more than just a mistress. But today... Today, men are marrying the mistresses, <laughs> and unfortunately, in the Islamic community. And these, you know, are second and third and fourth wives. You're a mistress. 
And you're a mistress not because you're a second wife, third wife, fourth wife. You're a mistress because how you allowed yourself to come into that situation. He didn't honor you. He didn't go and sit down with his other wife and say, hey, listen, this is the situation. I'm going into polygyny. I'm handling this is the sister, whatever the case. On, you know what I mean? Like on an up and up in an honorable way. They didn't do it in an honorable way. They tucked you away somewhere, tucked you somewhere and told you to be patient until I can work this situation out with my other wife. You a mistress. You're not a second wife. He married the mistress. You know, I mean, it's, I'm just telling you, I'm just putting it out there. So, you know, Muslim women now are, you know, are in fear because now Muslim men are running off with the mistresses. They're marrying them as second wives and then they end up being the first wife because the, the you know, the first wife can't handle, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, yes, they're not going to settle for that. Then you want the woman to be patient after you don't slept with this woman, after you don't gave this woman a ring, after you don't took this woman places that you took your first wife, after you don't gave, bought this woman clothes and paying her rent and you're doing more for your mistress than you're doing for your damn first wife. Where they do that at? <laughs> Where does that happen at? Right. And then you want the woman to be patient with your right. <laughs> your right to take a second wife. <laughs> Dude, she's not a second wife. She's a mistress. She's a jump off. And you want me to stay in a relationship with you, with somebody like that? Nah, I'm good on that, man. I'm good. I'm good. And then you get the brother who say, well, I'm not going to divorce you, so you got to stay. <laughs> and this is the problem. This has been the problem from for a long time. Problem for a long time. Not just in Philly, but in many places. In, in many places. It ain't just Philly, trust me. It's not just Philly. So you think that you're going to do all of this, and then you're going to ride off into the sunset with this brother and live happily ever after. Look at what the the look at what the brothers of Yusuf did to Yusuf, right? Similar to the brothers of Yusuf who thought that they could get rid of Yusuf and then afterwards they would repent and earn the good graces of their fathers and everything was going to be okay. They thought they could throw Yusuf, right? Throw Yusuf in a well, get rid of him, and then they can go back, you know, and 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 earn the good graces of Prophet Yaqub, right? That everything was going to be okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala captured this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala captured this. This stuff goes on in any community that has no leadership. Or has cowardly leadership. It's not just Philly or Jersey or New York. It goes on in any community that has no structure, no law, no leadership or cowardly leadership. That's where this stuff goes on at. Make no mistake about that. How does a woman recognize a trifling man when meaning one? Your intuition should already tell you. Your intuition should already tell you. But your intuition is compromised because you're hungry. So you need to learn how to fill that void so your intuition can be on point. The way that it used to be. The way that it used to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, اقتلوا يوسف أو اطرحوه أرضي يخلو لكم يخلو وجه أبيكم 
وَتَكُونُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ قَوْمٍ صَالِحِينَ In Surah number 12, Ayat 9. Check this Ayat out. Surah number 12, Ayat 9. Look at the concept here. Look at the mindset of Yusuf's brothers. Listen what they said. They said, اُقْتُلُوا يُوسُفُ Kill Yusuf. أَوَتْرَحُوهُ أَرْضَيْنِ Or throw him or get him out of the land. Let's get rid of him. Right? Kill him or get rid of him. يَخْلُوا لَكُمْ وَجْهُ أَبِيكُمْ So that we can earn the good graces of our fathers. وَتَكُونُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ قَوْمٍ صَالِحِينَ And then afterwards we'll be righteous. Afterwards we'll repent and we'll be righteous. You think you're going to do dirt? Like that to your brother. And then you're going to turn around and you're going to earn the good graces of your father. And you're going to be righteous after that. This is the mentality of some of the sisters. You think that you're going to come into this situation. You're going to wiggle your way into this situation. Into this married man's life. You think you're going to wiggle your way into this situation. And either move the first wife out of the way completely. Or gain the attention, so much attention from the husband that he overlooks the first wife and then you're going to ride off into the sunset. You're going to be righteous afterwards. You think that you can sleep with this married man, sleep with this married man, right? And then eventually he divorces his first wife because she can't, she can't handle that situation. He divorces the first wife and then now you all in there by yourself. If you do that, eventually what you did with him is what he will do to you. You understand? Facts. What you did with him is what he will do to you later on. And Kevin Hart is a prime example of that. Not just Kevin Hart, but many. Prime example. You cheated with your first wife, with the woman that you with now, and then you turned around and you cheated on the woman that you with now the exact same way that you cheated on your first wife with her. You understand? What you, what you do with a man is what a man will turn around and do to you later on. Facts. Stop deceiving yourselves, sisters. Stop thinking that you in there. And once I get in there, that ain't going to come back to you? No, nah, that's going to come back to you. In the worst way. Not only did he cheat on you with somebody else, he cheated on you while you were pregnant with your child. Blood in your eye. That shows you how much respect he has for you and the child that you are carrying of his. Understand? Facts. He didn't just cheat on you with somebody else, he cheated on you while you were pregnant. I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than that, man. And take his same dirty private part and put it back inside of you while you are carrying his child. And it goes on all day, every day. And she might stay because she knows in the back of her mind that she did the same daggone thing to somebody else. She knows. She knows. Absolutely. What you do with a man is what a man will turn around and do to you. So now the question is why? Why? Why will he turn around and do it to you? Please. I'm, I, question. Why is it that what a woman does with a man is what he will turn around and do to her afterwards? Why? Question. 
What you do with a man is what he will turn around and do to you later on. Why? Because what you did with him was that you came into his life and you had no standards. He doesn't value you. Absolutely. He doesn't value you because he saw that you were willing to, you know, totally reduce yourself. Totally reduce yourself. It's like the old saying, if a man chases you and he gets you, he doesn't want you. But if you chase him, he wants you. He'll stay. You, you know what I mean? Like, if you do something with a man, you have proven to him that you are willing to reduce yourself. And so, therefore, eventually he's going to reduce you because you've already solidified that. Right. Exactly. So I'm saying to the Muslim sisters, stop messing with these married men, man, under the guise that, oh, we're going to get married in polygyny. Nah, if he was going to marry you, he'd have went about it the right way from the door. You don't get to go into the haram first and then turn around and now I want to do it the right way. No. No. Right. You've already opened that door. From the very beginning. And it's just waiting to come back to you. It's just waiting to come back to you. Alright. So they said let's kill Yusuf. Or get him out of the land. So that we can earn the good graces of our father. And then afterwards we'll repent and be righteous. Afterwards we'll repent and be righteous. Right. Tell me how that works out for you. <laughs> so you're going to sleep with this married man. You're going to cheat with this man. You're going to do all types of stuff with this man. And then afterwards, he's going to marry you. He, th this is, you know, like ridiculous. Then he's going to marry you as a second wife and then honor you. You understand? He's going to honor you after this, after you slept with him. Come on, man. Come on, man. So, women's intuition usually directs her to pursue men who are going to stick around. Pay attention to this. Women's intuition, and we're almost done. Ten minutes and I'll be done. Woman's intuition usually directs her to pursue men who are going to stick around and go the distance in their relationship. So, as long as her emotional fortitude is still intact. As long as her emotional stability... As long as her emotional stability has not been compromised. Women are predisposed to desire MPI. Remember this. Women are predisposed to desire MPI. Male parental investment. I mentioned this in my book. I mentioned this in my book, The Revolution of Love. That women are predisposed, it is part of your nature as a woman, to go after a man who is going to stick around. Male parental investment. That's your nature as a woman. You can look at a man and tell whether he's going to stay the distance, he's going to be there and stay the distance, or he's ready to just take what he needs and keep it moving. And that's provided your emotional stability has not been compromised. But when you are compromised, you can't see anymore. You can't see anymore. 
You can't see anymore. You're blinded emotionally. However, when she has become com compromised emotionally, the intuition is off, it's clouded, and it leads her down a dark path. Emotionally compromised is when feelings take the wheel of your decision-making process and logic is no longer a factor. Simply put, you are vulnerable. Somebody said before, oh, I don't know what he means by emotionally compromised. Well, there you have it. And there you have it. Emotionally compromised is when feelings take the wheel of your decision-making process and all logic is out the window. Logic is no longer a factor. Simply put, you are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. So situations wherein her intuition would normally tell her to proceed with caution, to proceed with caution, are now embarked upon without caution or fear for the immediate or inevitable consequences. You follow me? You follow me? Men can spot this weakness a mile away. You are so right. As we used to say in Jahiliya, you ain't never lied. Absolutely. You ain't never lied. Men can spot it a mile away. So in situations wherein the woman's intuition would normally tell her, proceed with caution, right? Do not, <laughs> do not proceed with, you know, do not go forward. Don't, you know, don't go any further. This is what your intuition would normally tell you. Because you're normally looking for a man who's going to stick around. If a man cheats with you, you think he's going to stick around? If a man lets you violate his other wife while he's married, do you think he's really going to stick around with you? Do you really think that he's going to stick around? Absolutely not. You're sadly mistaken, man. You're not even a hopeless romantic. Because that ain't even romance. <laughs> Some women chalk it up as, well, I'm a hopeless romantic. That's why I keep making mistakes. It's not even romance that you be going into. So what do you mean you're a hopeless romantic? These are not even romantic situations. These are trifling, atrocious situations that you keep finding yourself in. Foolish, absolutely. <laughs> so in situations wherein her intuition would normally tell her to proceed with caution... She now embarks upon these situations without caution or fear for the immediate or inevitable consequences. Such situations like cheating with a married man under the false, fallacious intent to marry into polygyny. Many women in the Islamic community have fallen into this. They know the brother is married or not. Yet they engage in behaviors with this brother who, if they were the ones married to him, they would lose all of their spirituality. If you were on the other end, right? And then you come into the situation like, well, I'm just, I'm so amazed. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how sisters will cheat with a brother who is married and then come off with, oh, I'm going to marry her in a polygyny. And then she comes and try to meet the first wife. It's like, how the hell, like, how in the world you coming to meet the first wife and she knows that you cheated with her husband and now y'all made Toba and now y'all trying to rectify the situation and she's supposed to be okay with that? Are you supposed, he's supposed to be okay with that? <laughs> and 
then when the woman says, no, I'm not cool with that. I'm not going to be in polygyny with this woman. Then you run the, oh, this is my rights. You're trying to infringe on my rights. <laughs> it's like, are you, you got to be kidding me, man. So you can cheat with this woman, make Toba, and then marry her into our situation. And I'm supposed to be okay with that? Because you made Toba and I'm supposed to be okay? Hell yeah, it goes on. Heck yeah. This is America, bro. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> Are you serious? All day, every day. And then you'll bring the woman to your first wife and say, well, you know, this is the one, this is the sister I'm trying to marry. But you done already slept with her. And your first wife is supposed to just welcome her into your family. And y'all supposed to just live happily ever after in, in polygyny and everything's supposed to be okay. You gotta be kidding me, man. You have got to be kidding me, man. Not a chance. Not a chance in hell. No, sorry. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. And you sisters who stay in situations like that. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, you you giving these brothers a pass, man. you giving these brothers a pass to continue in their trifling behavior, man. Nah, man. So, many women in the Islamic community have fallen into this. They know the brother is married, yet they engage in behaviors with the brother who, if they were the ones that the man was married to, they would lose all of their spirituality. Just think, the same man that you cheat with, the same man you send in text messages with, the same man that you send in naked pics to, just what if you were his wife and he was doing that to somebody else? What if you were his wife and he was doing that with somebody else? So the text messaging, the meeting up with each other in private, the gifts, and in many instances, the sexual relations. What if, what if that was you he was doing that to? And if you do that with him, trust and believe, if he marries you, he's going to do that to you too. So, how could you have sexual relations with a man who was in the bond of marriage, a bond that he made with his wife before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How could you infringe on that? How could you infringe on that? How could you infringe on the sanctity of somebody else's marriage? How could you do that as a Muslim? How could you do that to somebody? They have a family together, children, and you infringe on something. It's, it's a selfish behavior. Selfish, man. And that's part of our problem in our communities. We have no spiritual loyalty and we have no cultural loyalty. We have no loyalty to our culture as African American Muslims and we have no loyalty to our spirituality. What our religion, our, our iman dictates. Your faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dictates that you, that you shun behaviors like that. Are you kidding me? I would never violate man somebody's marriage, man. That's sacred. Sacred territory. I would never violate that, man. But you have people who will do it all day, every day. And, you know, men, you know, they suggest this situation to their wives, even though they violated the sanctity of the marriage. Intuition can, can be completely compromised. Your intuitive nature as a woman in a normal instance would have told you that nothing good can come from this situation. And there is no happily ever after because at some point this is going to come back to you. That's what your intuition would have told you on a normal basis. 
In a normal instance, this is what your intuition would have told you. But your intuition was compromised, and as a result, you found yourself in a messy situation, and, you know, and now you need logic to get you out of it. <laughs> so, uh, this is what I wanted to present. Sisters, you, you, have to, you have to allow your, you know, your, yes, the intuition compass is broken. The daggone needle don't even move anymore. <laughs> the intuition compass is broken. And I mean, I mean, for these types, sometimes it's no fix in these situations. You have to just let that go for the sake of the loss of penalty in hopes that Allah will forgive you, number one, and number two, give you a more favorable situation because at least you realize it was wrong and you left the situation. You realize it was wrong and you left. Define the sanctity of marriage. The Prophet wasallam he said, shurut and biha." That the rights, the rights or the conditions that have more right to be fulfilled is the conditions by which is the conditions by which the woman's private part was even made halal for you and that was the marriage contract. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it a mithaq. He calls it a covenant. It's a covenant. This bond of marriage between man and woman in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is sacred territory, man. Sacred territory. The Prophet Wasallam said that Allah curses the man who corrupts somebody else's wife. You corrupt somebody's wife. Meaning, you encourage that wife to get a divorce from her husband. You corrupted his wife. You plant seeds of divorce into the head of the woman. You corrupted that woman's. Understand? Allah curses the man who does that, or anybody who does that. You corrupt somebody's wife, man. The, the Prophet said the worst sin that a person can commit is to sleep with the wife of your neighbor. Because you are infringing on, violating the sanctity of this relationship between this man and this woman before God, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was a brother interested in me, came for a sit down, found out he was married to a Kafir, and I wanted no part of that situation. I did not care how good he claimed to be, and you were smart for doing that. You were smart for doing that. Because that there's no way that that situation would have worked out for you. This is what I wanted to present in the loss of Hanahu Atayad and Uzbes. Um, I got time for about maybe one or two questions, and then I have to go. Um, I don't know if there were any questions and I mean, we are, we're aware of the trolls that, that come on here. They go to my page, they say this, they say that. And you know, alhamdulillah, we, we're blocking them on a day to day basis. You know, I, people just, you know, that's just who they are, man. Their husbands won't release them. That's a problem. And inshallah, we're, we're, we're getting to the end. Of, we're getting to the bottom of that. You know what I mean? Yes, the woman would have been busting out her windows and everything. The same thing that you did with this married man. If you were on the other end, on the receiving end of that, and you were the one that, you know, that you were married to him and somebody else did that. I mean, just think how you would have responded. Think how you would have responded. 
but we find it convenient to do it to other sisters, man. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala handles those situations. Name one situation where a woman cheated with a man while he was married to somebody else and they ro they rolled off into the sunset happily ever after. That doesn't happen. Not in this day, not in this not in this world. That happens only in, in movies. That doesn't happen in real life. What is the husband trying to marry a woman he been talking to secretly, saying that she's just a friend? Now they got feelings. That's how it starts. He shouldn't be talking to the woman, period. Then they try to hold you hostage. No, this is why it's important for you to have a marriage contract. Have a marriage contract. And stipulate in the marriage contract, in the event of any infidelity, our marriage is terminated. And he signs off on that, then, you know, it is what it is. But the fact of the matter is that you, you sisters are not utilizing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us in the, in the institution of marriage. You're not using a marriage contract. Many people on here right now, right now, sitting here right now, you're married, guarantee you you don't have a marriage contract. Guarantee you, you don't have a marriage contract. And if you do have a marriage contract, there's no clause in your marriage contract that in the event of any infidelity, then our marriage is terminated. And then you wouldn't need nobody to, you know, intervene or anybody. Nah. Yes, if he signs, the marriage is over with. Yes, absolutely. The marriage is over with. We don't have no Islamic court that we can go to. If you were to take that, anytime somebody signs their name on a piece of paper, it's a legal document. It's a legal document. So even if you wanted to go as far to go to the courts and file for a divorce, if you're married legally, you are in your right to do so. And Islamically, if you have a wali and he violated the marriage contract and that clause was there, then your wali should come and rescue you and pull, pull you away from that situation. It wouldn't be my daughter. It wouldn't be my daughter. He cheats on my daughter and my daughter say it's over. I'm out. I'm coming to pick my baby girl up. I'm, I'm sorry. You want to fight? You want to pull guns? I mean, you got guns, got guns too. I, I mean, like, miss me with all of that. But you're not going to hold my daughter in that situation. You got to be kidding me. That's what she got a father for. So all that tough Tony talk, man, you can miss me with all of that, man. Not my daughter. Not mine's. Use your marriage contract. Any other questions? He says it's his right to have friends now. He wants to marry. I have no choice. You stay in that situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for you. I don't know what to tell you. You guys, you know, you guys have to, you have to put pressure on the imam in your community. If your imam is too cowardly to say something, then you need to put pressure on him to do so. You're going to do something about my situation. That's right, Ali Saber. You already know. Not my daughter. You're not going to hold my daughter hostage. I'm sorry. It don't even have to be my daughter. If it was a woman that I was responsible for, I was a Wali, and I'm nobody's Wali, and I don't want to be anybody's Wali. But if I was, then I would definitely be responsible for rescuing you from that situation. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not on my watch. I'm going to be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for leaving you in a situation like this. Nah. Nah. <laughs>
Nana. Well, we're, I'm currently finishing up um, a 10-week marriage course, how to get married and divorce in 10 weeks. I've advertised for this course at least two months in advance, and I had a total of like 25 students, man. You know, we write in marriage contracts. These sisters, mashallah, tabarakallah, these brothers and sisters that are in uh, that are in this class, in this course, mashallah, tabarakallah, they are going to hopefully help you know, you guys out. <laughs> because a lot of you just don't know about how the inner workings of marriage goes Islamically. Why can't the sister just leave? Because there's, I mean, like, she could if she wanted to. We're American. Who's going to stop you? But, you know, it's, it's better to not just leave and make sure that you leave understanding what the terms are so that that does not come back to haunt you later on. It doesn't come to haunt you later on. We'll stop here in Shalom Tide. I know you guys have a ton of questions, but the next time we run the How to Get Married and Divorce course, you need to be in this course. We are already in the sixth week of the course, so it's really no getting into the course right now. These sisters have done, you know, these sisters have done case studies. These brothers and sisters have done case studies, have done uh have done created their own marriage contracts. They have done, you know, projects. I mean, like, alhamdulillah, they've done so much in the six weeks that we've been running the course. You, next time we run this course, which inshallah will be in December, you guys need to be in this course, man. I've advertised for this course for two months in advance. On my website, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, I've, I've advertised for this course. And, you know, still only end up with maybe 25 people, man. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslima kathira wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.